I love that line in the song that says, this is the moment we've waited for, and he's finally arrived. And it's, it's true. We're finally in Advent season. We finally uh, get to celebrate the, the birth of our Savior, the birth of light in this world. And we thought we'd start in Scripture at the beginning, the beginning of the Gospels. And we're going to start um, in chapter 1 of Luke, and where Zechariah uh, learns about John the Baptist and that he's going to get have a son who is John the Baptist, who leads the way for Jesus. So I'm going to read this passage for us that tells us about the beginning. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when all the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit before he is even born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make a ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in her years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. And these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Amen. Good morning. So if you want to hear more of that, just come back at four, right here. You can even have your seat back. Um, So there's a first time for everything. So uh, Pastor Mike is actually sick at home today and is unable to come in and and preach a sermon this morning. And um, yesterday when this was all going down, he, he called me. 
And he was really upset because this is breaking his, his 36-year streak of making it to every Sunday that he's been scheduled to preach. And so um, it, everything, he's, he's resting comfortably. Everything indicates that he's on the mend and going to be back with us soon. But I want you to continue to lift him up in your prayers. And then while you're at it, pray for me because I'm preaching from his outline this morning. Um, before we get going, I do want to take uh, a, a moment to draw your attention to a few new things that are on the, the altar today. So all of the, the oak pieces here, the, the main candle holders, the advent wreath, and the, and the Bible holder, these were made by uh, one of our congregation's members, Regan Huckfelt. In fact, I think he's sitting in here somewhere, yeah? No, not today. But... Um, I, I do want to uh, direct your attention to that because um, it's just phenomenal work and it's a huge asset to us as we uh, continue in our Advent season. So um, I'm going to put up the memory verse again for us today, but I'm going to give you all the words and we're going to say it one more time together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The seasons of the church, everything that goes on directs us to the love of God and the coming of his son, Jesus. And Advent, in particular, is a special season of preparation because it gives us the opportunity to spiritually prepare for the coming of God in the flesh. And that is a a remarkable thing. God coming into our world, this should affect us. This should change us. And so we need to, Advent is all about positioning ourselves and preparing ourselves accordingly for the presence of Christ to come into our lives and transform and shape us as we join him in what he's doing in the world. And so the liturgical season of Advent, the Advent wreath, all the outward signs, these things are are tangible outward signs of things that are going on in our hearts and the things that are going on inwardly in our own lives. So um, another thing, the the devotions that were written by many of you, and if you haven't had a chance to to take a look at some of these, there are still some printed copies available, but we can also email them to you. These are uh, devotions written for each day of the Advent season um, by many of members of our congregation. And, and these are another way for us to help align our hearts to prepare ourselves for the coming of Jesus during this Advent season. And so the scripture passage that we're looking at this morning, um, this precedes the Jesus story and it starts with a childless Jewish couple. Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now this couple was ceaseless in their faithfulness, devout in their prayers. They were positioned before God to hear from him. But as we, as we know at the beginning of this story, they're still waiting for the promises of God, right? And um, going back to those devotions, Tyler Hungate, who's a, one of our college students, he wrote an, uh, a devotional that directly talked about this story. And he said that, um, I loved what he said in, in the midst of it. He said, at times it seems that God has forgotten his promises. At times it seems that God has forgotten his promises. And as we engage with 
Elizabeth and Zechariah at the beginning of the story, you can see, you know, them being an old couple have been praying for this child. Um, you can see how they might think and they might feel that God has forgotten his promises. But Tyler goes on to say in his devotional that not only does God fulfill his promises, but he exceeds our own expectations and limitations when we position ourselves with him. So we're going to be looking at the example of Elizabeth and Zechariah and how this can help us prepare in the Advent season. And the first thing that we learn is that we need to position ourselves to hear from God. We need to position ourselves to hear what God is saying. Now, a couple weeks ago, when I was visiting my family at Thanksgiving, I went to my grandma Amy's house. And my grandma Amy is this wonderful woman, but she's, in, she's very soft-spoken. So in order to have a conversation with her, I have to go right up and sit right next to her so I can hear what she's saying. Because if I'm halfway across the room, nobody's going to hear um, either one of us. So I know that I have to position myself near her. And as this weekend was wrapping up, I was kind of watching some, uh, the college football season come to a close. And it's the same way in, in football. If you imagine, if you're a player on the field and you, don't, and, you, and you don't go back to the huddle to get the play from the quarterback, to know what's happening next, you can imagine the chaos and confusion and mess of that player trying to determine what the rest of the team is trying to, to, be, to go after. And it's the same way with our relationship with God. If we don't position ourselves in a place where we can hear from God, it's it's difficult for us to expect any kind of response. So hear this, no prayer, no response, right? It's, It's ridiculous of us to expect, if we're not positioning ourselves to hear from God, if we're not positioning ourselves and preparing our hearts for the coming of Christ into our lives, it's a little bit ridiculous for us to expect a particular response. Zechariah and Elizabeth were positioned. They were close to God. They were praying and listening daily. And in in verse 13 of our passage that, that Kelsey read this morning, it says, Zechariah, your prayers have been answered. Your prayers have been answered. And so Zechariah is standing in the temple and an angel shows up and he's having a conversation with Gabriel, right? So I can imagine that Zechariah would be a little bit overwhelmed and there's all these questions that are running through his head. And I think one of the questions might have been, well, why now? Why now when my wife and I have been praying and praying and praying for a child for all of these years? Why, why now? And that's the difficulty of waiting sometimes. That's the difficulty of waiting. Even when we are positioned, even when we are, are being faithful, there's a difficulty of waiting because God heard their prayer the first time they uttered it. That's the truth. God heard their prayer the first time they uttered it, but they were not yet at the time and place where God intended for them to receive it. And that's a hard thing to hear sometimes, but, God, but John the Baptist, their son, was born at the exact perfect time in God's timing and in God's perfect plan to prepare the way for the savior of the world. So when the psalmist says in Psalm 28 verse 6, God has listened and has heard my prayer, 
We can say these things with confidence. But here's kind of the funny thing sometimes, I think, about believers. And Zechariah fits in this, in this same category. The funny thing about believers is that we don't always believe that what we believe in works. Right? We don't always believe at our core that what we believe in works. We might go through the motions. We might go through the motions of, of asking God and, and hoping that things, but we actually don't expect it to work. Right? I think sometimes we're stuck in that, in that place. And here's the irony of the believer. When Zechariah is standing in the temple, the angel is saying, your prayers have been answered, and he basically says, well, I don't, I don't believe that. I can't believe that. Because Zechariah, and I think us, I think we fit here too. I think a lot of times we only see the obstacles. We only see the obstacles to God accomplishing his purposes and accomplishing what we're asking in our prayers. When we pray, we're only looking at the obstacles. We're only looking at the impossibilities. Zechariah, in his prayer, was, was, he only saw the impossibility of an old barren woman getting pregnant. That's, that's the impossibility that he saw. And I think it's really easy for us in our various circumstances to only see the obstacles, to only see the impossibilities of our situations when we're asking God to intervene. But here's the thing. God is not the least bit concerned. God is not the least bit concerned with the obstacles that we throw up in front of his design for us and for the world. The things that we consider obstacles, the things that we consider impossible are of no concern to him. It does not have any bearing on his ability to come through. Because here's the truth of the matter. God's word will come true with or without us. God's word will come true with or without us. You see, God doesn't need us. That might be a, that might be a weird thing to hear, but God doesn't need us. God loves us, just as our memory verse says, God so loves us and wants us to be a part of his plan, but he doesn't need us in order to accomplish his plans and purposes. He wants us to be involved. He cares about us. He wants to use us to bring about his work, but he doesn't need us in order for it to happen. Does that make sense? I know many of you at some point or another have probably cooked with kids or grandkids in the kitchen. Yeah? And... It's kind of a mess, right? It's kind of messy, but, and it would be a lot more direct and a lot more um, simple if you were just to do it yourself, right? Just to cut them out of the equation, do it yourself. But because we love our kids, because we love them and want to involve them in the good things that we do as a family, right? We bring them in. We want them to be a part of what's going on. And we want them to be a part of this good and beautiful thing that we are doing for us and for others. And that's kind of how God works too. Yeah, it's a lot messier when he involves us. It's a lot messier when we come into the equation. But God loves us and desires for us to be a part of his plan and to be a part of what he is doing. And nothing 
Nothing can stop that from happening. You see, we, in God's plan, we are the movable agents. We need to position ourselves accordingly. We need, to, we need to prepare our hearts to receive what God is doing and to join him in what he is doing. So if you want to be a part of the plan, if you want to be a part of the plan, you need to move because it's going to happen anyway, with or without you, right? It's a, it's a question of, of whether or not we want to be involved in what God is doing, going back to the kids in the kitchen, it, as great as it is, as wonderful as it is, at some point, people have to eat, right? Okay? So even if kids are being a little cranky, a little bit obstinate, maybe not understanding what's going on, or just re- plain refusing to do it, at some point, people have to eat, right? So, so uh, the question is not whether or not you're needed in order for God to accomplish his purposes. The question is whether or not we are willing to position ourselves in a place where we can be involved. You see, nothing can stop God's plan in the world, not even our own unbelief. Nothing can stop God's plan in the world, not even our own obstinate nature, not even our own naivety, not even our own unbelief. Because God's power is not confined to the narrow perspective of our obstacles, nor is God bound by our human limitations. Because God wants to work in your impossible situations. God wants to work in your impossible situations. In fact, when things are impossible, that's when God does his best work. If you look at the story, this is where God does his best work in the impossible. Old people don't have kids, right? And yet in the midst of this story, Elizabeth and Zechariah have a son and God does this amazing thing through their son, John the Baptist, and he's sent to change human hearts, to make them open to the work of God, to prepare the way for Jesus Christ, the savior of the world, and thousands come to him to hear his message and come and to repent and change their hearts, to align them, realign them with God. So in the midst of this impossible situation, God does this amazing, amazing thing. And God wants to speak into your impossible. Right now, he wants wants to involve you in his plans. He wants to involve you in what he is doing. He wants you there in the kitchen with him. But here's the question. Are you open Are you open? Are you willing for God to work in your impossible? Pastor Mike tells this great story of a of a church in an agricultural community and a lot of the congregation members were farmers and in this community there was a long drought. And so the farmers came to the pastor one day and said that, that they needed, that they wanted the pastor to organize a prayer meeting because they needed to uh, get together and pray for rain so that their crops and their livelihoods would be restored. So the night of the prayer meeting comes and all the farmers gather in together and they get into the, into the sanctuary, into the room together. And the pastor stands up and says, I don't know, I don't know what we're doing here. Because you asked me to organize a prayer meeting for rain, and yet none of you brought umbrellas. You asked me to organize a prayer meeting for rain, yet none of you brought umbrellas. Are you open to God working 
in your impossible? Are you expectant? This is what the season of Advent is all about. It's all about us being able to prepare ourselves, to position ourselves to hear from God, to to position ourselves in a place where we are expectant for God to come into our lives and work and transform us. You see, Advent, the Advent season, is a tangible, sensory invitation to change your heart. All the candles, the nativity scenes, the trees, the carols that we sing, the snow falling on the EP, all of these things are tangible opportunities. Tangible things, opportunities for us to change our hearts. That's that's what the season of Advent is about. That's what the opportunity that these things represent. And another opportunity that we have another tangible thing that we do together that gives us an opportunity to change our hearts is the sacrament of Holy Communion. And so as we enter into that time together, I want to encourage you to do two things. First, turn from your sin. Stop wandering away from God, taking your own path that's taking you out of position for what God wants to do in you and through you. Humble yourself and and admit who you are. See yourself for who and what you are, a sinner in need of forgiveness, and then reposition yourself to receive God's presence into your life and receive God's promises for you. Secondly, live with a sense of immediacy of God. Live in a sense of immediacy, of urgency, Because the time is now. This is our opportunity. This is when it matters. A lot of people will say about a lot of things, you know, I thought I'd I'd have more time to get around to that eventually. I thought I would have more time to someday get around to that. And that's really okay if you're talking about like cleaning out your garage. But when we're talking about important things, when we're talking about the state of our hearts, The time is now. We can't put it off. No one knows the time or the day of their own personal reckoning or or the day when, when Christ comes again. So take the opportunity that's in front of you. Don't delay. Advent reminds us that God has drawn near to us, not far away from us. God has drawn near to us. Now is your opportunity. So as we enter into this time of Holy Communion, I want to invite everyone to partake in the Lord's Supper together. Um, if you're, even if you're visiting or you're from another church tradition, if Jesus Christ is yours, or if you want to accept him and receive him today, this time is for you. Now, if you're sitting there and if you may be a little uncomfortable or not ready to participate, that is totally fine. You can, you can stay right in your seats and, and listen to the music during this time.